Go ahead and have a seat if you would. We are glad that you're here on this beautiful day. I got here this morning and uh, Carson City got a lot more snow than we got down there in that valley. So we were very blessed to have uh, some of you show up and grab some shovels and help clean that off. I really appreciate that. Uh, if you uh, are new here, as Callie said, we have a, a gift bag for you on the back. Grab that. Uh, but I want you to know, if you're new here, hang out for a little while, because you're going to realize the Holy Spirit is in this place. Uh, not because there's anything special about us, but because God is choosing to move, and we have a bunch of people here choosing to engage in what God wants to do. And it's really exciting to see what God is, is doing and what He's going to do. In two weeks, we're going to do two services for the month of April. Uh, it may continue after that. I'm not sure. But because of that, if you are not involved serving, we'd love for you to get involved serving. None of our teams are full. So on your, the same handout that you got coming in, on the back there is ways to serve. Fill that out, check a box, put it in the offering. Uh, it's that big box on the way out as you go. Uh, put it in there because again, none of our teams are full. And the real blessing in this life with Jesus Christ isn't watching, but it's participating in what God is doing. And we are blessed to have a body of people that like to participate, and we want you to join that. So let me pray, and we'll get going. Heavenly Father, we, we are so thankful to you. That last song we just sang, holy, holy, holy are you. And if we didn't sing out, the rocks would, the trees would, because all this creation cries out to the glory of you, God, because of who you are. And we are so blessed that you would think of us. We are so blessed that you would look at us and care about us deeply, deeper than we could ever imagine, and we thank you for that. We pray that you, Holy Spirit, would be with us this morning, that you would convict us if needed, that you would fill us with joy as, as needed, God, that we would glorify you in our worship, and we would not leave here unchanged, unaffected by you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are beginning a series, and if you can't guess what it's called, it's called The Story. And this is the, the greatest story ever told. Now, last night I watched a movie, uh, The Firm. I don't know if you've seen The Firm, but it's a really good story. You know, and, and as we watch movies, you know, they can do movies nowadays that don't have much of a story and you still go and see them. But, but the good ones have a good story that have a beginning, a middle, and an end. But, but in a good story, there's a, a climax, there's tension that makes you want to keep watching it, and then there's a good conclusion in the end. Right, Rory? There's a good conclusion. Well, we're going to be looking at a story that has all of those elements, but it's greater because it's true. And not only is it true, but you and I are characters in this story. We're not the main character, but we are characters in this story. And this story impacts all of us. This story that we're going to look at answers the deepest questions humanity has been asking since the beginning of time. Where do we come from? Why are we here? By the way, we didn't come from aliens seeding the planet. Um, if you think that's true, stick with the story and, and you'll see the truth. But where did we come from? Where are we going? Why are we here? What's our purpose? What does eternity look like? That's what we're going to cover in these three weeks. And we're going to be looking, obviously, if you know the Bible, we're going to be seeing Jesus Christ. But normally on Easter Sunday, which is in three weeks, normally Easter Sunday you look at the resurrection. We're not going to do that. We're actually going to look at that next week. So that on Easter, we get to look at the reconciliation, the new heaven and earth, the, the new kingdom heaven. We could call it heaven. And that's going to be exciting because that's a day a lot of other people are going to come. And hopefully they can see what Jesus earned on the cross, not just that Jesus died on the cross. But this morning, we're going to be beginning in Genesis. So you can turn to Genesis. But the beginning of the story is key. Just like any good story, 
we need to know how it began. And it began in Genesis chapter 1. And as we go through this story, I'm going to encourage you, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to go to your group and ask questions. We're not called to just read and just accept blindly. We're called to have faith, which means we believe, but it's okay to ask questions. Every other religion out there will say, don't ask questions, just accept what we tell you because it's true. Don't read the other things. Well, here, we're going to be looking at the deep things of life. So I encourage you, ask the question, is this true? Is this real? Go to group and ask those questions and open yourself up to what the Holy Spirit might say to you. So without further ado, let's begin the story. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In the beginning, what? God. It doesn't say, in the beginning, Derek, or in, in the beginning, put your name in there. In the beginning, God. God made everything with a word. Here's, here's how we start this. Who's the main character of this story? It's not me. <laughs> it's not you. That gives me chills. God. In the beginning, God created with a word. So all of science would also agree that there was a beginning, and they would trace it back to a big bang. You think when God spoke, it probably went boom? Possibly. God spoke, and we see in, in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. So what we know here in Genesis 1, 1, you know the word that spoke that created everything? This is Jesus Christ. Jesus, God, made everything with a word. Through Genesis 1, 3 through 25, we see what we just saw on that video. He outlines, cre outlines creation. Day 1, he speaks, he creates light. Day 2, the heaven or, or the sky. That's what he created there. Day 3, he creates the sea, the land, and plants. Day four, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Day five, he creates water life and birds. And then day six, land animals and people. If you're a note taker, we have notes just to help you follow the, the flow of what we're trying to cover. But here's the first point. In six days, God created everything that exists with just a word. Listen, the Bible is true. The Bible is clear, and we don't need to debate around this. Did he create through evolution? Did, you know, were these long days or short days? None of that matters so much, but we need to accept what he said. He created with a word he spoke, and he created. He is the main character. And he made us as the pinnacle of his creation. Actually, if you read through, what's the pinnacle of creation? The last thing he created and finally said it's very good. Woman. Not man. <laughs> he created man and everything was good. Then he created woman. He said, now it's very good. God created everything, ending with man and woman in his image. Flip over to verse 26, Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth, and over creeping thing, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We were created 
as the pinnacle. We were created in His image. Listen, nothing else on earth was created in God's image. No animal was created in the image of God. We were created in the image of God. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean fingers, toes, ears, nose? No. By, by image, that means emotions. God has emotions. It means will, the ability to choose. God is a creative God. It means we have that part. We like to create things. Some of us are more creative than others, but all of us create, even if it's just a meal. We can create in a way animals cannot create. We are made in God's image. We are not the point. God is still the point. But all of this really is for us. As you look here in Genesis, it says that he gave us authority to rule. By the way, when it talks about mankind here, that's humankind. I like the way the translation up here. That's men and women. That's humans. We were created to have dominion, to rule, to rule. But really, it's also to take care of. So it's not this, this you know, far right view of we get to just milk the earth for all we want, but it's also not the far left side that creation is everything and we, we worship creation. No, we're, we're here to take care of creation, to, to protect it, to milk out of it what we need, but not to abuse it. So we were cre created very good. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, I was tempted... And I even talked to Mark, who's a biology teacher, a couple weeks ago. I was tempted here to give a lot of proofs of creation over evolution, but God said no. God said don't do that. He, he, he very clearly said, I would rather people just look at my glory, and then they can accept or reject that I created everything in a word. But in Psalm 19.1, it says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. So rather than trying to prove it, we're just going to look at the Bible and accept that this is true, that the heavens declare the glory of God, that it all points to Him. Now, we could rush on to the next point in the story, but we're going to linger here a little bit, and here's why. The more we understand God, the God of creation, the more we can get the rest of the story, not only just get it intellectually, but feel it. God gave us hearts and emotions, and I know I, like maybe other men, we, we like to stuff that down and no emotions, but God created us to feel, and there's something about this story that should grab our heart, but in order for it to grab our heart, we must first understand who God is. So let's take another walk, if we could, through creation. What did He create? He began creating with the word, the galaxies. Look at this. This is the Milky Way galaxy, so just... Think about this for a minute. Now, I'm not a scientist. Maybe some of you are. But this is our galaxy. And of course, this is not a, an actual picture. This is a composite, a guess. Uh, we haven't gone that far out yet. But here in, in our galaxy, scientists estimate that we have, I can't number the, the billions of stars, but they say if we were to count the stars just in our galaxy, one per second. So you can just start counting them. One, two, three, four. It would take 2,500 years to count all the stars in our galaxy. And most of them, we're never going to see. So this was created, yes, for us, but also to scream the glory of God. That's what the psalmist writes, that the heavens declare the glory of God. Isaiah 40, 26 says this, Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. 
because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Look at that picture. Counting the stars one per second for 2,500 years, each one of them is already named. God has named them, chosen them, placed them right where he wanted them. Do you feel small? <laughs> we should feel small, not insignificant, but we should feel small. This glory of, uh, glory of God. Now, within this one galaxy is where we exist on earth, but there are, scientists would guess, billions of galaxies out there. You know, here's a, a picture of some of the mapping that they've tried to do of the other galaxies that exist, but there are billions and billions of other galaxies. So how many stars in our galaxy? Now, how many stars in these other billions of galaxies? Now, if you look right there at the center, they put us at the center of the Milky Way, but in realistic, we're not actually in the center. Um, that's just how they've chosen to map it. But then if you look back at, at the Milky Way galaxy, Earth isn't even at the center of the Milky Way galaxy. We're somewhere on an outer ring. It's safer there, apparently. But God created all of this with the word. I would say it takes greater faith to believe in evolution and an accident than that this was all on purpose by a creator. But here God created. God set these in the skies and he set the stars, as you read through in Genesis account, he set them to measure days and weeks and years. So early on, you read back ancient China, ancient Egypt, they used the stars to, to map out time. They were predictable. They move in an on-purpose way. You can make a note of that. They move on purpose. We can guess where they will be in three years. God created all this with a design. But then we get even closer to earth. This is our home, earth. It's the only planet that looks like this that we've found. And I would argue it's probably the only planet anywhere, anything like this. But as you study earth you'll learn that it's uh, 23 and a half degrees tilt on its axis. And that's an interesting thing. I was reading about that. If it was just a little bit off of that tilt, you know what would happen? We wouldn't have seasons anymore. So the cold on the top and the bottom would always be really cold, top and bottom. And in the middle, it would be really hot, and we wouldn't have the seasons. So we couldn't grow awesome things like apples and other things that need the, the winter than the summer. The design of our earth is per perfect. For life, even the distance to the sun, the heat, all of that perfectly designed and beautiful. And God created this in six days with just a word. But you move down into earth now and you see what did he create? One of the biggest things is water. Have you ever just stopped to enjoy water? Or on a hot day, have you been out working, digging, or even on a cold day shoveling snow and you're just like, oh, and you go in, you get a cold glass of water? There's nothing like it. Nothing like a cold glass of water. And so God made earth with water. The, the building block of life, everything we need to live, starts here on earth, and, and we have water. But not only can we drink the water, but it's fun. He's given us this world to enjoy. The seas, someday I still want to learn how to surf. But the, the joys, last, yesterday I got to go skiing with, with the three daughters. And just up there, we were skiing on water. Frozen water, but, but water. We get to enjoy this creation. God made it. And the, the, the earth, the, the seas, just the power, just YouTube tsunamis, the power that comes from these seas that we can't even control, and then the fun that we get to have, the beauty, swimming, whatever it is. But just going through creation, it cries out, and the Bible's clear, it cries out the glory of God. 
look at these other pictures we have of just a couple of his creations. Um, we were at, uh, where was it? I don't know, some aquarium. And I saw this animal that I had never seen before. And I was looking at it. I said, is that real? Well, that's, jellyfish are amazing. That's another one. But I was looking at this thing, and I'd never seen anything like it, never even heard of it, and it was a sea dragon. And it was kind of like a seahorse, only on steroids. Um, so that's a sea dragon. Is that not the coolest thing you've ever seen? Not an accident. And the more we look and see, we see the beauty of God in creation. He was creative. There are animals deep in the sea we've never even seen before. I think there's going to be animals we'll never even see because God created these for His glory but also for our enjoyment. Now, we could go on and on and on. We could talk about DNA, the complexity of DNA. We could talk about our bodies. We could talk about the eyeball and how it works. But all of this just cries out to the glory and majesty of our God. Romans 1, 19 through 20. Paul refers to this creation when he talks about those who would say there is no God. And he says this, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. The earth cries out the glory of God. We can know by walking outside that there is a God. Now we don't know the rest of the story. We need God's revelation in his word to know the rest of the story, but we can just walk through creation and go, yeah, there's a, there's a God. There is a creator, and he must be powerful. He must be much bigger than we are. But I want to transition now. Okay, so God created all this for his glory. Why did he create us? Because that's another question that we, we've asked, that humanity has asked forever. Why do we exist? Why did God make man in his image? Well, we see in Genesis 1.26, the first one, we were created to work, but it's a joyful work. At the beginning, it wasn't a hard labor, but it was still labor. We were created to rule. We were created to create, to build, to reproduce. We were, we were created to do those things, to care for, develop, and populate the earth. But we were also created for another purpose amidst that purpose. Isaiah 43, 7 says this, everyone who is called by my name whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Humanity was created for the glory of God. You get that? You and I were made to bring glory to Him. And we can bring glory to Him all by ourselves, Singing a song, creating something beautiful, whatever it is. But we can also bring glory to God in relationships with others, being part of His church. We were created to bring glory to God. He made us in His image, ability to think, to create. But He made us for another reason, and we see it here as we're made in His image. But I think Jesus said it well in John 17, 3. Jesus said, this is eternal life, that you know the Father and Jesus Christ, whom He has sent. So we were created to work, to glorify God as we work, as we go through life in family, at school, but we were also created to be in relationship with God. Do you know that? Eternal life is to know God forever and ever and ever. And in two weeks, we're going to talk more about that. But we were created to know God. He wants to be known. 
Now, I think forever there's going to be mysteries we don't know and we're going to be discovering, but he, he wants to be in relationship with us. We were created to have a relationship with God. This is our purpose. But if you're going to create something to be in relationship, if you're going to be create, create something to love, what did Jesus say the greatest commandment is? To love God with all you are. So we were made to glorify God, to love God. But there's something that needs to be included in that creation if it's going to be what God wanted it to be, and that's freedom. In that creation, there must be a choice for God's people to choose to follow Him or not. C.S. Lewis said it very well. He said this, God created things which had free will. That means creatures who can go wrong or right. Some people think they can imagine a creature which has freedom but no possibility of going wrong, but I can't. If a thing is free to be good, it's also free to be bad. And free will is what has made evil possible. Why then did God give them free will? Because free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. A word of automata, of creatures that worked like machines would hardly be worth creating. The happiness which God designs for His higher creatures is the happiness of being freely, voluntarily united to Him and to each other in an ecstasy of love and delight compared with which the most rapturous love between man and woman on this earth is mere milk and water. And for that, they've got to be free. So in this creation, God made mankind free. The ability to choose. Genesis Chapter 2, look at verse 16 with me. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. God created everything good. God created it very good. But in order for it to be very good, we had to have the freedom to choose. And so God gave one thing. God could have made this anything. He could have said, don't jump backwards on Saturdays. He, he could have said, you know, don't bury grass five feet under. He could make it anything. But what he chose to do was said, this tree, do not eat of the fruit. There had to be something in order for this creation to be what he wanted it to be for his glory. So he said, this tree, you can do anything you want with it. You can climb it. You can build a tree house in it. You can rest under its shade if you want, but just don't eat the fruit of the tree. You can pick it. You could squish it. You could feed it to the animals, but you don't eat it. That's the only thing. You do not eat of this. Well, we know what happened. As we look forward, look at Genesis 3, 14. I'm sorry, Genesis 3, 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And what we know that this is Satan taking the form of an animal and coming and speaking. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened 
and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths. That's the fall. We were created good. We were created with a choice. And we chose to disobey. We chose to go our own way. And as you look forward, you see what happens because of this sin. Genesis 3, verse 14. Now here, God confronts those. God, Adam and Eve sinned. They ate of the fruit. Then they realized they were naked. They put fig leaves on and they hid behind a tree. God came walking through the garden like he often did to, to, you know, face-to-face relationship with mankind, which we were made for. But now something had changed, and God knew it. And God knew it was going to happen. By the way, God wasn't surprised. He wasn't up there going, go, man, we know you can do it. He wasn't surprised. He knew what was going to happen. He sees the beginning from the end. He knew his plan. So God comes, and he finds the man and the woman. And he also grabs the snake and he says this. This is the curse that's laid out. Verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The curse, sin changed everything. Death entered, not just physical death, but we know biblically spiritual death, which is eternal separation from God. That was the result of sin. But all earth was, created, was changed by it. All earth, Romans 8, 20 to 21 says this. For the creation, which God created very good, remember this, was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from this bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Here's the point. Everything changed at sin. Everything changed when man and woman decided to go their own way. So here's a, here's a little picture. God created. At the beginning, formless and void. There was nothing. God spoke, and he created land. He created mountains. He created beaches. God created. Now, God spoke, and he created animals. I know, isn't that cool? (laughs) He created plants. He put the trees. By the way, as you read through creation, you'll see that trees were created with fruit on them. 
They didn't have to wait five years to bear apples like we have to wait now. They were created with fruit already on them. God created plants. God created animals. Cool ones, weird ones, floating ones. (laughs) Fun ones to ride. And finally, God created man. Hey, you work with what you got. (laughs) And he created woman. (laughs) And he put them in the garden to work it, to enjoy. But look at this creation. It's good. It's pure. It's clean. They were put in the garden to work it, to enjoy it. Do you realize that? We were put on this earth to enjoy all of what God created. Perfect. But then sin entered. And when sin entered, everything changed. Sin did not just affect the man and the woman. Sin did not just affect the serpent, the snake. But sin mixed through all of creation. And then everything changed. This is the world we still live in. Why is there pain and suffering? Because of sin. Why are there tornadoes and volcanoes? Because of sin. Now listen, man and woman, they're still in here. We're still here, still made in God's image, but now it's clouded. The seas, the oceans, the the mountains, they're all still there. They all still display the glory of God, but now they're foggy. It's changed. It's not what it was designed to be. This picture is here. It's all still going on. We're still made in God's image, but now... It's different. It's changed. It's foggy. And this is where we live. Now, you may ask, well, that was Adam and Eve. They sinned. What about me? Romans 5, 12 says this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. We share in the guilt of Adam and Eve. We were born into sin, and we've all chosen to sin. None of us is innocent. And we know from Romans 8, or Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. What that means, a wage, what's a wage? It's what you get for what you do. You work eight hours a day, you make $15 an hour, do the math, that's your wage. That's what you deserve. But the wages of sin, if if we've sinned, one sin could be a lie, could be shading the truth, could be stealing something. It could be the sin of ignoring God. One sin equals death. The wages of sin is death. Now, we won't fully understand this in this life. The gravity of the fall, we cannot fully grasp because we've always lived under it. The gravity of sin, of what sin does to a perfect God, we won't fully grasp it, but the Bible's clear about it. One sin equals death. Separation of God forever. Humanity was free to choose loyalty to God or rebellion. When we chose rebellion and sin entered the world, everything changed. This is called the fall. And the reason for all the pain and suffering in the world 
and the reason for eternal separation from God. As we tell the story, this is part of the story. It begins with creation, good. It begins with God, good. And then the fall. Sin entered and everything changed. Part of the reason we're covering this is not only that we would understand, but that you would learn this story so you can tell others. The world needs to hear this story. The world does not need to hear from the church, you're all evil sinners. Stay out. What the world needs to hear from the church is God is good and God loves you. But yeah, sin is a problem. Sin is what separates us from God. And they need to hear that. And then they need to hear what's coming next week. So bring them next week because there's good news. This isn't the end of the story. But we have to tell this part of the story. And it's really hard as a preacher to end with this because this isn't the end. But we have to understand where did we come from? Why are we here? Why is the world like it is? Why is there divorce? Why is there child abuse? All of that junk is because we're free to choose God. We're also free to go the other way. As you go through Genesis after this, we're not going to right now. But in chapter 4, we see the first murder. A brother murders his other brother because he's jealous. As you keep reading, earth just gets more and more corrupt until finally God says enough is enough and wipes it out with a flood and he saves one family. And he starts over with that family. That's Noah. We're not going to get into that story either, but that's part of the story. That explains a lot of what we see in this creation. But here's what I wanted to point out before we move on to next week, that from the beginning, God knew what he was going to do. Look back at Genesis. Look at God's plan. In Genesis 3... Verse 15, when God was cursing us for our sin, he says this, I will put enmity between you, talking to the serpent, which is Satan, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. Who's the offspring of woman referred to here? Jesus Christ. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Which one of those is a worse injury? A bruise on the head or a bruise on the heel? What happened on the cross was Satan bruised Jesus' heel. Jesus died on the cross. But that was, a, that was a bruise of the heel. He rose again three days later. But in that, Jesus crushed Satan's head. Jesus won the victory over sin and death. He bruised the head, meaning he won the victory right there. Now, here's, here's the thing about this life we're living now under sin. This life of under the fall. Look over at Genesis 3, 21. After this, Adam and Eve sinned. They put these fig leaves on. Have you ever tried to live in fig leaves? Anyway, that's what they're wearing. They're ashamed. They're in their sin. But in verse 21, Genesis 3, 21, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Look at our God. We sin. We go as a good father. He clothes them. And he promises to fix it later. You messed it up, but I'm going to fix it later. And I'm going to take care of you even right now. Here's some clothes. There was the first sacrifice. The first death right there was an animal that died so we could be clothed. And we look at that because we end this story this morning. Before we go on to the rest of the story with the good news that God has never abandoned his people. God has never walked away. And the story of the Bible all the way through is how God has, has worked to reconcile us back to Him. 
Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the rest of that says this, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the good news. We're going to transition into a, a time of worship, a time of response. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. This is our chance. And my prayer, as I've worked up to this this morning, has been that we would be overwhelmed with the glory of God. And so as we close in worship, I want you just to think about our God. Don't dwell in our sin right now. Focus on God and who He is. Dwell on Him. And we're going to take the Lord's Supper. The way we do it, um, we've got a bit of a crowd, but that's great. It's fun. We, we, we worship in response. We're going to get up, come down these aisles during this next song, um, and take the bread, take the cup. This is what we do to remember Jesus' death on the cross, the victory that God won over Satan, over death, and for us, for our sin. But we remember Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he was in his upper room with his disciples, and he took the bread and he gave it to his disciples. He says, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup in the same way, and he gave that to them. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant shed for you. Do this as often as you take it in remembrance of me until I come again. This is what we do to remember. By the way, that's the end of the story in three weeks. That gives me chills. He's coming back. It's a wonderful story, but we're going to respond in worship right now. But I want to read John to see what Jesus did for us. In John 19, starting in verse 28, Jesus is on the cross. A lot of things have happened. And when he's on the cross, he's bleeding. He's got the crown of thorns. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and they held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Jesus died. And when he did, he said, it is finished. All the work needed to bring us back into relationship with him was finished on the cross. That's what we're celebrating as we take the Lord's Supper. So we're doing this a little different. We're going to have a video song, uh, a video playing with the music. It's a great song. I encourage you to respond as you feel led. You can sit there and dwell on the words and at some point get up as you feel led and take, take the Lord's Supper. If you feel led over here in the corner, we have a spot. That's our prayer corner. Come up here. You can write your prayer request. You can even just write your glory to God. Roll it up and stick it in the chicken wire. We did this for the first time last week, and we had a bunch in there. And it's really a nice way to, to give a prayer request to God or a glory to God. But let this be a time where you respond. I've been praying that the Holy Spirit would stir us to look at the glory of God. And now we, we get to respond. And by the way, when we respond in worship, He's glorified. That's part of why we were made. Why do we want to do this? Because it glorifies Him. It's why we were made. So let's respond and worship.